0: With the third pick in the 2020 NHL draft, the Ottawa Senators choose this player. The correct response? Who is Tim Stutzel? Off we go on an all new episode of the Talkin' Audio podcast. Uh, midweek. We weren't really planning to throw this one down, but uh, big news out of. Uh, out of the Ottawa Senators today, we had no choice but to uh, to cover it here just a little bit, and uh, so I don't get any shit for for the favoritism I normally pull. And when it's time to talk about the Sens, we usually turn to our buddy Graham Nichols. How's it going today, man? It's going well. How's it going? Uh, you know what? Probably a little bit better on your end than mine, but that's okay. Uh, we'll get into wow, what's it. What's wrong? Well, just what's wrong? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, as a as a blue blue team member here in in Ottawa, I'm taking some shit today. So. Uh,
1: why is that? Is that just because just Toronto's three most expensive forwards cost more than Ottawa's four?
0: That seems to be a thing. That does seem to be a narrative that people are latching onto. Um, and uh, you know, when you I can't imagine f- people, I can't
1: imagine people throwing that in your face.
0: When you can combine that with the fact that you were able to punt your goaltender down the highway, it, uh, it's been a rough <laughs> summer to be uh, a Leaf guy here in the nation's capital. I should let the good people know. Uh, this was supposed to be a two guest episode. Andrew Berkshire was going to be on with us and, uh, we got about halfway through talking and, uh, they started testing the fire alarm system in my building and, uh, that made it very difficult to record. So, uh, the first half of that interview is done. Andrew's been good enough to agree to, uh, circle back a little later in the week. So you Habs fans, you can wait just an extra day or two here, uh, before we get to that. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately,
1: yeah, you gotta wait, just be (laughs) patient. Got wave.
0: Uh, well, they tell me that their 1993 Stanley Cup win is uh, is downright recent compared to Toronto's, and they may have a point with that. So uh, I don't know if they know anything about patience, but uh, you know, it's it's all good. It, it's honestly, man, it's been a weird couple days here because they said on the, uh, the 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 holiday Monday night at nine o'clock they were going to shut off the water here in this condo building because they were doing some work, and uh, so no one was particularly thrilled about that. You're trying to get you know people are trying to get their kids bathed for the first day of school. People are back from holidays, getting ready to start work. And then at eight o'clock on Tuesday morning, they were going to start testing the, uh, alarm bells, um, throughout the entire thing. And basically they just turn them all on in every unit and every hallway. And they just leave them on all day while they go unit to unit, making sure that they're working. And, uh, they promised us that was going to be over by Tuesday. It wasn't, they said it was over at noon on Wednesday. So I felt safe to record with, uh, with Berkshire there at, uh, around two thirty. uh, they apparently decided they had a little bit more testing to do so it's it's getting a bit old around here man I can't imagine yeah. can't imagine what it's
1: like to be surrounded by fire alarms all the time
0: <laughs> it's not a great <laughs> feeling um, yeah so uh you know what let's get right into it man Tim Stutzla 8 years times I believe it was 8.35 million dollars uh unveiled at I don't really know what the event was today this wasn't the normal fan fest was it
1: no, it was just like a season startup 2022 20, season startup where they just invited by like uh, a bunch of social media uh,
0: connoisseurs. Yeah, basically just a, uh, yeah, get some of your bloggers and your social media people in and, and fired up. And uh, this was where they announced it. The insiders didn't have it. The team hadn't, uh, I don't believe, put out any kind of press release yet. Pierre Dorian kind of in his usual... Sort of half awkward kind of way, turns and or turns and says to uh, to Tim Stutzler. I think there are special days in senators' history, and I think today is one of those days. Tim, what do you think about next eight year extension? I'm in. And that was it, man. He's uh, he's locked in. What was your uh, your first reaction? They've done this
1: in the past where they like to like have kind of events like this and they announce like they'll have some splashy announcement at this thing. And it was, you know, it was a season 2022-2023 season event uh, kickoff where they had uh, members of the media there. And they also invited a bunch of uh, social media influencers who are big Sense fans. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it's part and parcel, right? Like, you know, they they start with announcing like different kinds of food options and uh, you know, different social events that'll be happening throughout the course of the season for certain games and then boom, Tim <laughs> Stutzel, contract extension. <laughs> Nobody saw it coming. But yeah. uh they've they've done that kind of thing before. So it's not it's not as sneaky, but it's pretty cool. Like I, you know, it is it was kind of unexpected. Um, you know, he had he had a ton of leverage, right? Like he could have gone in, in the last year of his ELC. He's got two fantastic line mates. Uh, oh, yeah. Projected to start the season with McIlroy, to DeBrincat. So, I mean, the likelihood of Tim Stutzla having a career season and besting uh, everything he's done up to this point was pretty pretty high, I would say. So, for him to sign that contract a year out, and you know, it, he will be the highest paid player on the Ottawa Senators just based off AAV starting his next season. But um, it's 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 good. It's a good figure to get him at. I think you know there is a lot of risk involved in the sense that you know he hasn't fulfilled. All of the expectations that, you know, usually are attached to a third overall pick. And, um, you know, for a guy with his offensive uh, skills and talents that hasn't really manifested in, in high-end numbers until, like, the last 30, 35 games of the last season where he was, like, averaging more than a point per game. Mm-hmm. But... Um, there's a little bit of risk involved but at the same time they're banking on his pedigree they're banking on his development they're banking on the fact that he's going to have fantastic linemates this season the best is yet to come and you know um, one of the things that I think has kind of been overshadowed in, in in Stussel's time in Ottawa is just his development as a defensive player like his defensive numbers have improved significantly where he's he's a positive contributor at both ends of the ice and um, you know if anyone watched him in his first year where he was just playing the wing and he had very few defensive responsibilities I think like that's just a testament to how hard he worked and and um just how well he acclimated himself to the center position um you know like 20 i think it was like 20 games into the season last year so um it's just fantastic for him it's a it's a great day for the Senators organization it's just like another positive day where it's like this is the summer of normalcy and i'm not saying that because like auto signing
0: have, there's or anything and, but and normal the Sens are doing well, all kinds I, of good I, shit I, <laughs>
1: I i i know but it's like it actually feels like a functioning well-functioning yes, franchise for the first time in like fifteen years. and I you know everybody kind of understands why it's just the fact that it's to this point. it's just like it's it's so reinvigorated for this fan base. And if you talk about people who deserve it uh it's a long-suffering fans who've had to endure a ton of hardships and just pr disasters and embarrassments over the last 15 years and and it's awesome it, it's great to see and um i think they i believe they said season ticket sales were up 60 percent from the levels that they were uh in 2019 i believe yeah. so it, it's just fantastic it seems like the community's become re-engaged and we desperately need it right like this is an organization that desperately needs to um uh, it endeared itself to the business community, the media, the fans, the so like the bloggers, the social media influencers. They need everybody kind of pulling in the same direction for the first time in a long time. It feels like everybody's kind of on that page, so mm-hmm. it's it's exciting, it's fun, it's it's great.
0: Well, it has been a hell of a way to cap off the Hot pier summer, and it's been you know uh, what would have been Stutzler's motivation to do this. Now I get it for the sense, and we can haggle over the number and whether or not. Uh, you know, to me, it's, it's a risk based on the start that he's had, but it's, it seems like a sensible risk for this team to take in, in locking him up at this point. But as you mentioned, if he's going to play with the Brinkett and, uh, this year, and he is sort of banking on himself, continuing to improve and, and develop, um, there's every reason to believe that maybe if he waits a year, that number might be able to start with a nine. What do you suppose the motivation for him was to go ahead and do this now?
1: I just think it's like cost certainty, right? um uh, stability. It's it's. I don't know if there is like a PR element in the sense of like, hey, he's the latest of the young guys to sign a contract, and kind of. Uh, I don't know if that kind of plays into it. We're like he has everybody kind of rally around the team, and it's just another uh, sign of good faith. I'm in
0: and, too, right? Like that. Everybody's yeah.
1: excited. You know, like that. there is there is a bit of that, uh, maybe. Um, but I like. The lead up, the lead up to the season is going to be interesting. There's still like a ton of interesting storylines. Uh, you know, just to get Stutzle and and a number of the other young players locked up already. It's kind of like a good show of faith to, to Brinkett in the sense that, you know, you have all these young guys who are locked up long term. If De Brinkett falls in love with the city and, and feels that this is a great place to raise his young family, um, it, it's just a great sign, and it's it's hopefully it's an encouraging thing where he will be intrigued to sign on and, and kind of grow and develop this young core that's already in place. So it's, it's exciting. I hope that was a motivating factor and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next, because I still think they need to do a lot of work on the blue line, but to this end, that hasn't happened yet. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. uh, DJ Smith, the other day said he anticipates seeing Zub and uh, Shabbat playing together, which leaves a lot of questions in the, the bottom four, if you want to call it that we can get to that maybe another time. But one of the things that, uh, I also wonder about in terms of why now for Stutzla, by all accounts, the cap is supposed to start to go up in in two years. And if he has this big breakout year this year, um, and then you know, all of a sudden the cap does start to go up a little bit, I don't know. It just seems like he could have taken even a three-year deal or a four- or five-year deal even and still kind of in his prime. And he'll still be, what, I guess only 28 when he gets to the end of this, 29 um, there will be at least one more big contract in his, his favor, but, you know, maybe he gets a chance to do that at 25 instead with a much bigger cap. I, I don't know. It just seemed odd to me that he was as, um, you know, uh, this was the time he decided to to take that leap, take it for the full eight years. Uh, like I said, it makes sense to me for the Sens. I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just a little perplexed for him. That's all.
1: You're just going through the Austin Matthews thing, right? Where it takes him to his first year of free agency. It's just jealousy speaking,
0: obviously. Yeah, <laughs> there is some of that for sure. Uh, that is the frame no, it, it through which I though, view right? the like, world.
1: It's true, though. <laughs> like from a business perspective, like if you have the confidence in your own abilities, uh, and you know, you know that financial windfall can be there down the road if you take a short-term bridge deal. Um, there, there is that opportunity but it mm-hmm. seems like a lot of voludetawas young players aren't doing that and um I don't know maybe it's the motivating factor from Kichuk signing and the Norris like it's just dominoes right sure, to this point yeah. it feels like anyway so um it'll be interesting to see where it goes and then you know you're looking forward you know these guys are locked up. I believe it's like Batherson, Stutzla, Kachuk, and Norris are locked up just under thirty million through I think 20, 25, 26 So if you look at like and that the is less than over that time. Guys.
0: I, I keep I, I think we, we need to keep bringing <laughs> that up. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that is a well, fact. If, if if
1: you don't, someone else will. <laughs> <No>. so. <laughs> but um, yeah, to get those guys locked up at a pretty. It's a reasonable figure, right? Like you, you know, you look back at what Toronto signed their their big name guys for back like three, what three years ago, four years ago, yeah. Um, like that, I assume like ten million dollars would be the market rate at this point. Like you know, you talk like mid to twenty twenties. Like you would assume like ten million dollars would be like the the kind of just like the market average for a superstar player and you know Ottawa has done a good job of keeping all their top guys you know almost like two million dollars under that figure that mm-hmm. benchmark and you know with an escalating cap hopefully it affords the organization a ton of luxury when it comes time to like insulating these guys with good veteran players to kind of push them over the top and then push them towards cup contention because that's that's probably going to be the biggest issue moving forward is how do you insulate these guys properly and I know know you were talking about maybe talking about the defense later on, but I mean, like that's the glaring yeah. that's the glaring weakness on the roster right now, and that's something that I believe that they still have to, uh, you know, look at uh, fixing uh, If not now, very soon, but I don't know how they're going to be able to do that if with the season getting underway in like just a month's time. So they're running out of runway, and uh, you know, it's going to be harder to make those kind of trades during the season. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. Lots of storylines surrounding this team still.
0: Earlier in the day on Wednesday, I was listening to uh, our friend of the show there, Graham Creech, and uh, and Steve Lloyd on TSN 1200. And they were discussing just sort of playing, you know, fantasy coach or whatever. How would you set up the Sens power play? Because you got six and, you know, number one power play. And because you got six um a, a top six that could easily make a case for all of them being on the number one power play. And, you know, Batherson was basically running the power play last year for them to brink it. That's where he gets fat. Um, and, uh, Kachuk always obviously good in front of the net. Timmy Stutzla is going to be looking to, to get some more time there. And obviously Claude Giroux and his time has been a number one power play guy. And one of the things that they were talking about is it's possible that you keep Stutzla off the number one power play Just because, you know, you can make the case, he has to earn it, but also in comparison, that that way, you know, maybe we can suppress his numbers just a little bit before we have to sign him next summer. Do you think that there's a chance that little things like that, I don't know how much the coach and the GM would communicate about things like that before a season starts, but, you know, DJ Smith has to be looking at this and going, okay, this is now one of my guys, he's here long term. I can do what I need to do and not worry about it kind of screwing the franchise long term? Or is that not something that would even enter a coach's mind, do you think?
1: I I think it would be totally different circumstances. Like, if you're worried about suppressing a guy's numbers because you're worried about his contract later on. Like, I don't think that ever enters the mind of a coach, especially a coach who's potentially entering like a lame duck season, (laughs) right? So, like, DJ Smith's obviously under a lot of scrutiny to get this team close to the playoffs if not in the playoffs. And you know, uh, he's going to try and put the best unit on the ice uh, that he can to give the team the best chance to win. I think like, you know, you look at Tim Stutzler um I don't I thought there could be an opportunity for the team to uh roll like a five man unit up front, right? And you know like down the stretch we I mentioned earlier like his last 30 35 games like during that time Tim Stutzel was the team's best power play uh, point producer i think he was averaging like over 10 points per 60 minutes of uh, power play ice time during that stretch yeah um and like he was by far their most dangerous player on the power play and to remove him from the first unit i i just don't know how you would take a guy who has that kind of playmaking ability off that unit and uh, you know like everybody kind of so pencils in Thomas Shabbat Well set- everybody pencils every everybody pencils in Thomas Shabbat as like the de facto power play one guy. But like historically, if you look at his impacts on the power play, they're not very significant. Like he's not like for all his skill in puck distribution, moving the puck from one end to the other, um it hasn't manifested itself with good power play results. Right. So I like I I would be tempted to roll a five man unit. Uh, uh use... Yeah, yeah, whether you use on the point or not, um, or you put him on his offside, I like... The thing is, it's like you have Debrinkat at who you can work off of Norris on the far side. So you have the dual threats, and then you have Batherson down low. You have Kachuk as the net front presence, and then you you know you can use Stutzler, or Shabbat, or Giroud on the back end. Like you have tons of options. But I think the problem with the five man unit is that all of a sudden you're probably leaving closure by himself on the yeah, second. You two looks not so good with Shabbat, though. With Shabbat, though, yeah, possibly. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I mean, I don't know. There, there's 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 plenty of opportunity or maybe you just do it, maybe you just maybe you just run your unit depending on ice time. Like if a guy's on the ice and he's tired, you you know, you just take him off the unit for the first shift and then roll whomever in in, in his place. I have no idea. But um I, I just have a hard time thinking that they take Schdusla off the first unit just because of how productive he was down the stretch last year.
0: Uh yeah, sort of relatedly, and you did touch on it a little earlier that um, you know, his five on five numbers maybe hadn't been great early on, but that does relate to the fact that he'd been on the wing. He's not necessarily the guy transporting the puck. You mentioned in your piece today at Roman Today, we'll uh, uh we'll put the links in the show notes that, you know, his most frequent line mates through his first two years, I believe you had Chris Tierney and Colin White, is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's most two uh, two most common centers right during his rookie year, which I mean, like I like Colin White, good defensive player, not a huge point producer. Chris Tierney, uh, used to be an effective player at one point, and back injuries just just ruined sure. his career.
0: So um, the, his five on five numbers weren't great, but he wasn't necessarily put in a position where they were ever going to be. Is that something that early on uh, in the season you'll be taking a look at or?
1: I just think when you're playing behind a bad like when you're playing on a bad team, he's a rookie he's a rookie playing on a bad team with a bad defense that struggles to get the puck to its forwards. And for a guy who's, you know, like they played him on the wing. They used him to be like the stretch guy, kind of like an Anthony Claire who can just as soon as the puck's turned over, blaze go, and we'll try and get the puck to you in transition quickly, and then you get your points off the rush. Right. That was the intent, and I think they wanted to give him as few defensive responsibilities and, and just as little concern as possible. They just wanted him like play develop at the NHL level. That was their intent. And then last year they just made the switch to center. All of a sudden he starts getting more puck touches. He gives him an opportunity to carry the puck through the middle of the ice. He's better in transition. It gives him more defensive responsibilities. He's more engaged and yeah to me it was noticeable. Uh, I saw like a dramatic improvement in his play and in his engagement level and um, I think you know the last 30 35 games uh, was a perfect example of a kid who was just growing more confident in his game and we'll see what happens this year but hopefully it's like that's that's you know that's just the momentum that he needs to carry into this season. But I again, like his linemates last season were Connor Brown and Alex Formington. Alex Formanton is not a good five-on-five player. He's a great penalty killer at this stage of his career, but he's not a good five-on-five player. Right. And Connor Brown is a good two-way guy, but he's not a he's not a huge point producer. Um, even in his 20 goal year, like two years ago, we we're thinking about oh, well, that's not sustainable based off a of shooting percentage. Right. And you know, it's like good players, but not guys who are ever going to help insulate. Stutzel and pump up his, his offensive numbers. This is not going to happen. So um, I think there's a lot of context for why Stutzel struggled in the first few years. And it's like a young guy who's entering North American hockey, professional hockey for the first time. And then He's playing his wing, and then he gets moved to center. He's got to adjust, and he's there's a ton of rigors that he's got to go through just on his own without even worrying about a positional change or the talent on his team and everything else. But I think there's a lot of context there, and you know, one of his biggest weaknesses, and I mentioned this in my pieces today, is like faceoffs, right? right. If the team's not playing with the puck right away and they're constantly chasing the puck, like he was only winning like thirty percent of his draws, like. It, it just makes things a little bit harder for him. And then you can insulate him with a guy like Claude who won 60% of his draws last year. And all of a sudden you're talking about, okay, now you're giving these guys an opportunity to play with the puck more. Hopefully that leads to more sustained pressure in the offensive zone. Hopefully that leads to more point production. And, you know, he's playing with more talented players. I think the sky's the limit for what this kid could do. I think he's obviously the most talented player on the roster at this point, uh, with all due respect to the guys that they acquired this summer, but, um, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch develop. And I just hope, I just hope the blue line doesn't let this team down. Um that to me that's still the biggest concern is like are these guys going to be able to recover pucks, win battles, um stop the opposition cycle game, transition the puck quickly to their forwards and, and start winning the territorial battle. I feel like I feel like Ottawa has been one of those teams over the past better part of the last 10, 12 years where it's like they've always kind of been on the wrong side of that 50%, right? The right. opposition is always out shooting, out chancing them over the over the course of the season. Um there's been stretches of good play. I think like the 2017 playoffs were a prime example of that. But um, you know, they've they've always kind of they've kind of always outproduced in terms of results, they've always outproduced um their underlying metrics. And the blue line, I, I like I like Jake Sanderson, mm-hmm. He's a super prospect, but I mean, you're putting a lot of pressure on um, a young kid who hasn't played an NHL game yeah. yet to step in and be an impactful guy. And you're going to saddle him with a guy who is relatively ineffective. I understand that Travis Hammonick was, was injured down the stretch last year, but like he wasn't good in Vancouver either. And he hasn't mm-hmm. been good in like three years. You're talking about guys whose numbers have declined over the past few years. So was it an injury or is it, this just a player in decline? He's just not that effective anymore. <laughs> and this you know, it's a lot of pressure on a kid to carry a parent, sure. especially yeah. at the, of the stage of his career. So I I kind of wish they would split up Zub to Shabbat for that reason. Give Zub to Sanderson and give Shabbat like a Nick Holden or someone, someone who's had success with him in the past. And then I mean, we could go two it,
0: games and that happens, right? They, he might get one look. At oh, it and, for sure. Yeah.
1: For sure. I, I, it could
0: it could change in a heartbeat yeah. just during the preseason. But I'm right? with you. I, I think that's a weird decision, uh, you know, with the, the group that you have to not kind of, at least for a little bit, try and. And I don't even want to call it shelter Sanderson because I, I think that's maybe overstating what he might need. But just to support him a little bit while he's getting his feet wet here in the NHL. Give him give him Zub and, and see what they can do for a bit. Just... I don't know to me it seems to make a little more sense but
1: for sure and they've also talked about minimizing uh Shabbat's minutes as well you're talking about a guy who's you know had a history of playing like upwards of 30 minutes a night so like you want to curb his minutes so he's more effective and, and has more energy throughout the course of game so he plays more effectively but um it's they, they have some real decisions to make and you know maybe maybe one of their young kids steps up on the right side one of the guys in Belleville Jacob Bernard Docker or Lassie Thompson steps up and proves that they can be a not just an NHL regular, but an impactful NHL regular who can mm-hmm. contribute positively and, and help a pairing. Um, but uh, as it stands right now, I'm I'm certainly concerned about the blue line. And um, you know, we talk about Ottawa Skill Forwards, like they need defensemen who can get them the puck and then and and one last chance for my boy
0: Brandstrom. Uh, oh <laughs> yeah.
1: But I mean like Again, like he's another guy who's renowned for his puck moving. Like yep. everybody said, like uh, just coming up, one of the best defensive prospects in the game. Yep. Great puck mover. Doesn't have a ton of speed. He's undersized, but great puck mover. And to this point, like he's played, uh, I think he's played over 100 NHL games, 116 Oof. games or something. Okay. And it just, it's never manifested in good underlying numbers. Like Ottawa's always constantly getting out a shot when he's on the ice. Hmm and i know like you, again bad team right is sure. it a function of him or is it a function of playing like with bad partners on a bad team uh i don't know it's it's probably a little bit of both but i mean he's an undersized guy who struggles to win battles he struggles to control the cycle and and help turn pucks over um and it's just not happening enough for a guy who moves the puck constantly he's just constantly defending in his own end and it's it's hard to move the puck when you do, when you can't get it from the opposition
0: it's true, man. You do need to be able to get it. Um, just to bring it back to Stutzla here as we uh, we do this. I, I, is this the biggest move of the summer? There was a lot of flashback at the draft and free agency. But and look, I, I'm not trying to downplay these moves. But there was concern after the Debrinket trade. How long is he here? Will you be able to afford to sign him? And the Drew one, he's still a perfectly capable player. But he's sort of exiting... His prime, maybe you're not going to get the best Drew has ever brought you. I think both of those moves were great moves. I think they're gonna be great. But this one is your guy. You drafted him, you developed him. He's young. You've bought up all his prime years. Um, is this the most exciting one, even though he was already in-house? It's not an added piece, but he's yours. Like, where does this rank in the the, the hot pier summer? I think
1: I think the Debrinkat has the potential to be. The biggest move, if if they can re-sign them, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think like that's that's kind of like the caveat. I think like to to re-sign your own RFAs, like unless they're like a year away from unrestricted free agency, like to sign them early and to get them locked up to like long-term deals at a decent cost, like you see that all the time throughout the league, right? Like Nick Suzuki is making slightly less than. Than uh, Stuslow. and like you know, Jason Robertson in Dallas is still waiting on his deal. He's yep. kind of in a similar position. He's had some really productive years, so it'll be interesting to see what he signs for. But like Rask these guys Shane are signing. E. <laughs> <laughs> the world yeah, exactly. waits. Look at you bringing up Toronto. Like, weird. <laughs> I do that from time weird. to time. <laughs> but like I, I, we give a lot of credit for for getting these contracts done, and that's fair. Like Pierre's doing the work; he's negotiating the deals and stuff. But I mean, it, it, to me, signing your RFA's, the long term deals, isn't shouldn't be that hard. Hopefully. Right. You know, as long as the cultures changed, I think that's the biggest thing. It, like, the, it seems like the culture and the vibes around the team are positive, certainly, and and that has helped exponentially to to make Pierre's job easier. And uh, to his credit, man, he's getting the guys done. I, you can't knock him for for not getting these guys signed. It's just, I think, to me, there's a difference between going out and getting a at. if you can get. To Brinkett signed and, and delivered and you get the prime years of his career and he supplements the core that you've already drafted and developed and I, I think that's to me that's the most impressive thing you can do especially considering the the opportunity cost that the Senators paid um, you know like you look at some of the other moves that have been made this offseason and you know giving up a first uh, what was it a first a second and a third form or a first a third and a fifth I can't even remember it this I can't time.
0: either now actually
1: yeah <laughs> But it was, I th- I think it was pretty similar to what like the cost was for like, uh, what's his name, uh, Tony Tony D'Angelo. I think I mentioned this last time I was on a show, but it was like Tony D'Angelo got moved to Philadelphia, yeah. for like a second and a third and a fifth, I believe. So like, the, it, so the cost, to me like they're not, it's not significantly different from from like a Tony D'Angelo. But I mean, if you have a chance to add like a guy who scored, you know,
0: a couple he of 40 probably could had,
1: oh, and he probably could have had more if he played full seasons, right? Yep, yep. So it's just. And so, to me that's to me that's the impressive one because nobody really expected it. It was, you know, rumored here or there. It was kind of like, "Oh, it wouldn't be nice to have that guy." But, sure. you know, it actually pulled the trigger on that deal and then hopefully they have a chance to sign him. If they sign him. Yeah. Like that's to me that's the deal of the year and then if they can't, then he represents a tradable asset that they should be able to supplement their roster with further. It's just I think that's the biggest one and I think it Regardless of what happens, there's still a good opportunity for it to end well for Ottawa. But I think the Brinkat for sure is the is the biggest move that appears off season. And uh, you know the the fun part is though in saying that it's just that there's so many moves that you can actually dissect and say, yeah. well, wasn't that great? Well, wasn't that great? Right? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, too. we're trying
0: to rank his best moves the most summers that's not the way we've been talking about. Uh,
1: yeah. And you know, like this, and this is an organization that had like an off season once where like they signed Eric O'Dell and that was like the big addition to the <laughs> team, you know, or like a Johnny Oduya yeah, or right. Tom Pyatt, you know, it's just, it's, it's exciting that, you know, it's good players want to come here. Young talented players want to stay and, and envision themselves being here for a long time. And that's just, it. it's just, there's a sense of positivity and normalcy that hasn't been felt in a long time. And that's the most encouraging thing.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer from over here, but uh, you're right. There has definitely been on, on the, the Sens Twitter again today was lighting up. There was more people with their screen grabs of having bought tickets or uh, things like that. Um, the, uh, is it LeBlanc? Anthony LeBlanc, the president of the uh, the Senators, was at the event today, and he was talking about, as you said, uh, ticket sales being up, season ticket sales being up, corporate sponsorship re-engaging. This has been an incredibly noteworthy summer and almost certainly in a positive way, we'll find out when it all hits the ice, but I don't think anybody's going into this expecting the team to not be significantly better. Um, we'll wind this one down here. Cause I know we're going to try and get you on and hopefully in studio before the uh, the season starts, we'll do a more in-depth kind of breakdown of the, uh, of the team and the season before it gets going. Uh, but one if last. If that
1: thing. happens, I, I promise not to pull the fire alarm if that happens.
0: <laughs> no. Okay, we'll be recording on the balcony. That'll be great. Um, One last thing, though, man. I've noticed, uh, and I was alarmed, you've retired on Twitter, the at Sixth Sense handle. What's happening?
1: No, I still own it. I still own it. it. I just changed. So I had a personal one like a while ago that I just never used. Right. And then, um, yeah, I had the Sixth Sense one. I mean, it's like, well, the Sixth Sense isn't really pertinent to like, my new blog It's to me, it's just very layered and, and confusing. So I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. I'll, I'll switch the two accounts. So I had to, you know, it's switch one to like a made up name and then move six. Access, onto yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's really what I, right. I, I just, I just
0: flipped the two and, uh, yeah, hopefully it makes it a little bit easier. So the, uh, the handle and we'll put it in the show notes again is now at Graham Nichols. If you're, uh, if you're looking for the work and the blog is uh, Roman a day. um, Nichols.substack.com. Is that right? G Nichols. G Nichols. There you go. Yeah. Yep. We'll put, that's it. We'll put all that in the show notes as well, man. As always, I appreciate you making some time. Like I said, we'll do something a little bit bigger here in studio before the season starts. But uh, this was a big day. This was a big move. We had to get it on and, uh, and take a look at it. So I appreciate you making the time, man.
1: No, Matt, really appreciate it. Always enjoy coming on and uh, anxious, anxious for the fall to start. I know you keep saying, well, it's been a tough summer for Toronto because Ottawa (laughs) keeps improving. But, like, aren't you – don't you want meaningful hockey between these two teams for, like, the first time and, like,
0: you know like 20 years
1: like isn't that isn't that what it's about that's what i'm gonna
0: say now if the Sens are good but no i was perfectly happy (laughs) with your team circling the bowl like that was not bugging me (laughs) there's Uh, no doubt a playoff series or meaningful games towards the end of the season there's no doubt that that'll create some atmosphere and would be a ton of fun but it's not like i was sitting here going oh man i wish the Sens were better
1: (laughs) <laughs> no, but it's like, like my favorite memories of this team sometimes are like the battles that they had against Buffalo or like, sure. you know, or, or Toronto where it's like you know you have no idea if they're going to win or lose, and, yep. and there's that stress, and you know when they do win, uh, it, it's fantastic. If they lose, you know whatever. You, you get through it, you, you move on. And when you lose four times a row, it hurts a little bit more, but you, you move on. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, I, I'm just, I miss that a little bit. I miss, I miss the competitive balance. I want teams to be, you know, especially division rivals, you want them to be good. You want them to be beat. And that's what I'm kind of hoping happens moving forward. And that, that Atlantic division, man, Yeah. like, it's you got some really young teams on the up and up, and it's just going to be fantastic to watch moving forward. You got Detroit and Buffalo Who are, who are um, yeah. yeah, they're getting there. They're a little bit further behind Ottawa, obviously, but um yeah, there's there could be some real powerhouses coming. Out of that Ottawa division. didn't then,
0: get themselves a Ben Sherratt this summer. That was the problem. That's what they were missing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Stevie Eiserman <laughs> gets all this credit for being one of the geniuses in the game, and I typically subscribe to that, but. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what? Sometimes though, like when your team is bad and this is like the defensible thing, you can get those veterans who will, it, may, it kind of gives out the perception that you're trying yeah. there. You know, you can, you, Oh, look who we added. That's great. it's like, well, you, he's not very good, right. but, but it gives the perception that you're trying to be good. But yeah. You're,
0: and uh, I mean, somebody's got to eat those like, minutes. Right? Tank mode. Yeah, yeah. And
1: you're still kind of in tank mode. Right. Yeah. So it's true. That's that's the way I that's the way I, my mental gymnastics would forgive him for that move, but we'll
0: yeah. see. We'll see what happens. I don't think he needs me to forgive him. I think he's doing just fine with uh, it's with not that. like he acquired Matt Murray to help a contender, it's, right? Okay. Like Yeah, it's time to go. We gotta wrap this one up. We, <laughs> we gotta get out of here on that. Um for Graham Nichols, my name's Matt. Check us out on social media at Can Audio. Check him out. Uh, at Graham Nichols for more of his pot shots at uh, Matt Murray and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, all the uh, links that we mentioned here for him will be in the show notes at tallcanaudio.com. We'll catch you all next time.
1: We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still comes was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah! Ah <sighs> <sighs> <sighs>